Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, thanks for joining me. This is Levi R. I'm going to be talking about the basics of tariffs and other trade policies, and a little bit about the issues uh, with China's specific, uh, with our trade war with China, basically. So, to start off, I just want to kind of introduce the basics of trade policy. So if you have, if you feel like you already understand this stuff pretty well, then I'm going to put a time stamp in the description, whether it's on YouTube or uh, on the podcast format. And you can just, I'll, I'll make it so you can skip to that time code. And then that's when I'll start talking about the specifics of the China uh, trade battle with the U.S., so to start off, um, to understand tariffs and quotas and all that stuff, um, first of all, we need to understand trade agreements that might avoid these types of things. So oftentimes countries will be members of quote-unquote free trade agreements that basically put limits on or uh, completely eliminate tariffs and stuff like that for certain products going between those countries and it could be two countries could be a whole group of countries for instance uh the 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 famous nafta trade agreement i know trump renamed it to something else or changed it and renamed it something like that and nafta is the north american free trade agreement and includes canada the u.s and mexico and essentially what it does is it really reduces tariff barriers between those three countries oftentimes you also have what are called bilateral trade agreements, which are trade agreements between two countries. Uh, So these two countries might have an agreement, and then those two countries might have different agreements with other countries. So it's not three or four or more countries altogether. It's just two at a time. Uh, And then there's also other players in the world stage, like the World Trade Organization, that exerts a lot of influence and kind of acts as a an, an international court for trade disputes between countries. So if, uh, for instance, um, Brazil had a huge problem with um, the U.S.'s providing subsidies for cotton farmers in the U.S. And so Brazil made a complaint to the World Trade Organization saying that the U.S.'s support of the cotton industry in the U.S. was unfair to countries with... Um, you know, lower technology or lower wealth in their cotton production uh, because it kind of made it so that the U.S. could cheaply dump a bunch of cotton onto the market and lower the world price uh, of cotton. So, the, the, you know, the World Trade Organization made a judgment on that, and then the U.S. was kind of, uh, I'm not sure if, if the, the U.S. was completely forced into it by the WTO, but um, they, the U.S. ended up changing its uh, policy. Uh, with respect to supporting cotton farmers. So those are kind of the the basic agreements that we have. And so then tariffs can be, uh, you know, again, part of uh, that, um, you know, can be limited by those agreements or um, can just be, um, you know, just just taxes really is all they are. They're just taxes uh, that are paid explicitly by an importer. So when you think about trade, you kind of have to, um, normally we talk about it very simply. We talk about, you know, country A, country B. But really, um, the way I would think about it is there are four, there are four groups at least involved. So you have the, the producers in one country. Let's call it country A. So the producers in country A 
the exporters in country A, the importers in country B, and the consumers in country B. So whenever we're doing some kind of trade policy analysis, we at least need to have those four in mind. So a tariff is explicitly paid by the importers in country B. So if uh, country B says, we're going to now levy a, uh, a five cent tariff on every bushel of corn imported into this country from country A. So that means that the importers that take in corn from country A to country B, uh, for every bushel that they import, they have to pay a five cent tax. Um, now, obviously, uh, they want to be compensated for that. Uh, in other words, the importer doesn't, the incidence of the tax is not necessarily on that importer. They may explicitly pay it, but they're going to try to pass that tax on. So they might charge a little bit more to the consumers in country B to kind of uh, compensate them for that, which would, you know, a higher price that's going to, um, you know, reduce the quantity demanded of that product in country B, potentially. Uh, they might also um, tell the exporters from country A that they're not willing to pay as much for it, which then would lower the price received uh, for producers in country A, uh, because obviously those exporters would pass that on to the producers in country A. So you can kind of see, uh, and, and this is always something we do with taxes, is we do tax incidence analysis. You know, somebody might explicitly pay the tax, but that tax might affect their behavior, and their behavior changes might also affect someone else's economic position. So that's tariffs. Quotas are another tool that are used um, that are maybe a little more ham-fisted, but basically quotas are used when you have two countries that don't have an explicit agreement already set up. Um, or really it's one country with a whole group of countries that they'll allow those countries to export to them. Um, so like the U.S. might have a list of countries that they would allow uh, to export, you know, I don't know, uh, steel to us. You know, we would import steel from them. But a lot of times we would set a quota on that, and that quota would be for all of those countries together. So let's say, you know, we're only going to import, uh, I don't know, 10 million tons of steel per year under this quota. And so that means it's kind of first come, first serve. Whoever gets there first to export their um, quota, uh, you know, those importers in the U.S., whoever gets them first gets them, and then once we get to 10 million tons, then we've met the quota and we won't allow any more. Uh, so quotas are a little simpler. Um, and then we also have this really confusing one called a tariff rate quota. Basically what it means is that up to a certain quantity, there's a tariff that's relatively low. Uh, in other words, a small tax up to a certain point. And then after a certain point, uh, after a certain total amount of product has been imported, then the tax goes really, really high. Um, and so it's kind of meant to sort of soften the quota, a hard quota, a little bit and say like, well, you know, if you want to pay this really super high tax after a certain point, you can, but, um, you know, you're going to have to pay a much higher tax after we get to a certain point. So oftentimes when we are discussing 
this type of thing, we get a lot of pushback from people who think that tariffs are just very bad. They don't like tariffs. And what they'll say is they'll see something like, well, tariffs are just a tax that, um, you know, is paid by the people who are importing stuff, right? So you don't want to put tariffs on China's goods because that just means you have to pay more for stuff from China. And that is probably true um, in most cases. But that's not the whole picture. So uh, in a book written by uh, Hilaire Belloc called Economics for Helen, I highly recommend you pick this up from IHS Press. I'll put a link to IHS Press website in the description. Um, It's a very good idea to pick this book up. And in the book, Belloc talks about the possibility that a tariff or some kind of trade restriction could actually benefit the people in a certain country. So, you know, of course you have to have this idea that there can be separate political units and that that's okay. Um, And if you read this uh, short discussion he has, what he basically tells you is that if there are underutilized resources in a country then some kind of restriction on the other people in that country from buying that resource from somewhere else can be favorable. And he goes through the math, and I don't want to try to walk through it uh, because it's hard to do it without a visual aid. But basically the point is if you have underutilized resources, then it makes sense to, to restrict trade to some extent. And so the way I like to think about this um, is that you know, when we, when we talk about all of these people in uh, certain areas of the country losing their jobs, this economic decline, these rural areas and stuff like this, obviously that's a tremendous amount of underutilized resources. Um, and so restricting outsourcing, which is just, I mean, it's just international trade and labor. That's all it is. Um, restricting outsourcing to an extent can be um, wealth enhancing for the country we're talking about. Now, sure, does it make another country less well-off in that, in that narrow sense? Sure. Um, but the idea is that, you know, we're looking at subsidiarity and solidarity here, right? That solidarity is good, but solidarity with those closer to you is um, more realistic. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this in the Summa. And from a subsidiarity standpoint, of course, it makes sense that a, a national political unit would... Um, protect the political units that are underneath of it, that provide protection that those smaller political units can't provide. Um, so that's just a kind of a general primer on tariffs. And of course, you know, any, any resource you can look up just for the basics, uh, there's plenty of good information out there um, all over the place just to get the basics down. Um, I think where you would start to see disagreements is in whether or not the policies themselves are good or bad. So moving on to the China battle uh, with the U.S. So um, I'm going to put a link to an interesting little timeline that basically started about 14 months ago that has kind of cataloged every little, um, you know, change in this war, every action by either side. That's really, really good. Uh, So I'm going to put a link to that. So ostensibly this China battle is over the 
trade imbalance between the U.S. and China. So in other words, we uh, import a lot more stuff from them than they import from us in terms of overall dollar value. And a lot is made about this trade deficit. Uh, a lot of, you get a lot of flack. You get a lot of uh, people uh, having arguments and getting angry about it. So I think that's not necessarily misguided, but it, um, it's definitely uh, kind of an, an incomplete view. Um, and so to try to complete the view, um, let's just walk through how, uh, you know, we might have a, a trade and what else happens uh, when that trade takes place. So let's say we have, uh, I'm just going to continue to use agricultural stuff because that's what I like to use. Let's say we have, uh, you know, a whole, um, a whole barge full of soybeans that we're going to send from, uh, you know, California to um, Beijing. And so obviously we have, you know, the farmers in the U.S., we have the exporter in California, we have the importer in Beijing, and we have the consumers in China, which, you know, could be, most directly would probably be uh, hog farmers, um, that, that they would feed that, the soybeans to their hog farmers, and then, you know, people in China would eat the pork. And so um, what happens there is that, okay, well, you know, we produce soybeans, we put them on a barge, we send them to Beijing. But the other side of that is that now what you have is you have um, soybeans in Beijing and Chinese uh, yuan in the U.S., right? That exporter got paid in yuan for the soybeans that they sent to the importer in Beijing. And so what has to happen there? Well, that exporter might trade the Chinese yuan for dollars or something else, right? There might be some foreign exchange transactions that happen with it. But ultimately, for that yuan to have any value, it has to be repatriated in China. And so if that's the case, then that means someone has to spend that money in China. Now, if someone just, uh, like let's say our exporter uh, gives that yuan to an, another person in China who's an, or excuse me, another person in California who's an importer from China, and they import, um, you know, blenders or something uh, from China. Well, they might import the blenders and then send that yuan back to China. Now, in this case, if, if the dollar, if the, the yuan values are the same, then there is no trade deficit from this, these two transactions, right? If we sent, um, you know, a million yuan, and I, I don't even know what the trade, what the currency values are here, but let's just say, I just need a number for fun. We have, we sent a million dollars worth of yuan, uh, or a million yuan, excuse me, let me say that again, a million yuan worth of soybeans to China. So the soybeans went to China, the yuan came here. It changed hands to an importer. That importer said, hey, I'm going to buy, uh, you know, a million yuan worth of blenders and send that mi million yuan back to China and get the blenders here in the U.S. So really, there is no trade deficit there, right? The, 
the there was exactly the same value of imports as there was uh, to to the U.S. as there was of exports from the U.S. and vice versa with China. So um, in that case, there is no trade deficit. But here's how a trade deficit might happen. Let's say our exporter <clears throat> in China decides that uh, he's going to take that Chinese yuan and instead of um, you know giving it, giving it to someone else who then buys goods from China with it, actually that person is going to take um, you know, the, the, our exporter is going to invest in some Chinese company with the yuan. Well, in that case, we have a trade deficit, right? Because we got goods, or excuse me, we sent goods to China. So China has a trade deficit now in this case. We sent goods to China, they sent currency back, and then someone in the U.S. invested in a Chinese company. So what that means is we have a capital account surplus, or excuse me, China has a capital account surplus and a trade deficit with the U.S. from that transaction. The U.S. has the opposite. We have a trade surplus and a capital account deficit. So, of course, could these things be um, negative? Well, sure. I mean, who owns a business matters uh, in terms of the control of that business. Um, you could have, you know, corrupt government officials from China. You know, it's, it's a Chinese, it's a communist country for Pete's sake. Could be, you know corrupt government people buying stock in U.S. companies or whatever. It could also be, um, you know, people in China or anywhere else, really, um, buying a lot of U.S. debt and having control over, uh, you know, U.S. bonds. So maybe that's a bad thing. Um, but just strictly in terms of trade, it, it's not... I, I don't think it's a really... A, all that big of a deal, but of course those other things can be a really big deal. So <clears throat> the tariff battle with China so far has has been uh, a case of the U.S. imposing um, higher tariffs on roughly $550 billion worth of Chinese goods. Okay, so let me clarify that. So that doesn't mean that the U.S. is getting $550 billion in tax revenue. What it means is that $550 billion worth of transacted products to the U.S. from China will have higher tariffs on them. Okay, We're going to increase the tariff. And as a retaliation, China has um, increased tariffs on roughly $185 billion worth of U.S. goods, either imposed or increased. Um, and we're talking about something like five to 6,000 different types, different categories of goods, um, both directions. So, you know, the U.S. has imposed uh, these tariffs on about 5,500, I think last I checked, 5,500 different, you know, individual categories like, um, you know, soybean meal or, uh, you know, certain grades of steel or, uh, just all kinds of different things. Um, you can actually, you can find a list of products. I, I probably won't link to it because they're hard to find, but um, I have seen lists of products before. <clears throat> um, let's see. And so, again, it's the same way with China, too. That they've, 
you know, roughly the same number of things they have increased tariffs on as well. So, uh, and, and the, the timeline probably has some detail on that as well that I'm going to link to. So, as far as the trade war itself, has the trade war gotten worse or has it gotten better? Well, as, it depends on how you're looking at it. So, I personally think that a lot of Trump's, um, you know, reason for getting into this trade war is really just a an attempt to uh, kind of in, improve the U.S.'s negotiating position. You know, so he didn't he didn't sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which I think is great. And I'm so glad he did not sign that. I think if we had Hillary, um, we certainly would have signed that, and that would have been bad. Um, but the it, it is interesting to look at the way uh, this has panned out so far. So in terms of just talk and meetings and that sort of thing, um, they're really it's been pretty bad in the sense that both sides are kind of being very standoffish and very adversarial. They keep pushing back meetings and stuff like this. Right now, the latest meeting, Trump um, refused to uh, hold the meeting and is, has pushed it back to something like mid-October, I believe. Um, and this is, information is on that little timeline that I'll link to as well. Uh, but in terms of concrete actions that either country has made, um, I think it's been a little bit... Um, I think it's been sort of been a slight de-escalation to an extent. So, you know, recently uh, Trump agreed to postpone some, you know, increases in tariffs on some goods from China. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, he, he considered this a, you know, an act of good faith or something like that. Um, so, you know, that means that certain products that, we we had been threatening to increase tariffs on uh he's at least saying he's going to postpone those increases so maybe if the tariff was uh you know five cents per pound um, and we were going to increase it to uh 10 cents per pound or seven cents per pound or something well now um we're not going to do that quite yet we're going to push it off and say well maybe instead of doing it in october we're going to do it in december now um so that's sort of what that means uh, let's see. China um, has, has, I think, done a little bit more. So I think maybe in terms of actions, I think maybe we're in a little bit better position right now than China is. Um, on that timeline, I'll link to, there's there are two lists of exemptions with, I don't know, a few dozen different things um, that China has said, okay, we're not going to increase tariffs on these other uh, products. And most recently, this was September 13th uh, on that timeline, uh, some of the key agricultural products that the U.S. sends to China, especially things like meat and uh, some of the things that they feed their animals to, um, they have said that they're going to stop increasing tariffs on those. So I think that potentially, you know, President Xi Jinping has, uh, has um, broken a little bit on this or... Uh, who knows, maybe it's all some kind of chicanery or something, but I, I think it is interesting, and I think it's good that Trump um, is staying pretty firm on this, because again, I think, you know, Belloc's argument about underutilized resources makes a ton of sense, and and the other thing uh, that, you know, an economist normally wouldn't tell you is that there are 
issues here that are very, very hard to value in a cost-benefit framework. For instance, we, we all know that China has been um, massively increasing their influence in uh, other parts of Asia and into Africa. And basically going into these small, poor countries and saying, hey, look, we'll, we'll build you all this fancy infrastructure, you know, um, we just want control. <laughs> uh, and, you know, of course that's not good for us. Uh, you know, again, China, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to say this again, but, you know, the, China and the Soviet Union are not, not different. They're both, you know, disgustingly evil uh, empires. And um, we, we should not um, be on any kind of, you know, cozy, favorable terms with these people. The, the, I mean, at least the, the leaders, right? The people in the country are being oppressed um, and killed. But the, the, as far as the leaders go, I, I think adversarial is, is a great way to be uh, with, with respect to them. So that's really all I have. Um, but I did have some people asking about doing uh, an episode on the China tariff thing. I think I, I, I try to give you a, a, the basics here and then also talk about the most recent um, tariff issues with China and, and really honestly the, the 5,000 to 6,000 items thing is uh, I mean that's the information you know if obviously if you work in a certain industry then you know the, the specific amount that um, of the increase of these tariffs on maybe the products you sell or the products you um, import and use as inputs in your, your production process sure it's going to affect you a lot more but um you know, this, this trade war is, um, I think it's about a lot more than just the trade deficit. So we will see what happens in the future. And if we get a whole lot more, uh, you know, fireworks on this issue, I'll probably do um, another brief episode just to update. And I do want to apologize for not having an episode last week. Uh, things have been crazy for me. And I, I think I'm going to try to get back on being... Uh, having a couple of episodes in the tank and being a little bit early with a couple episodes or having them ahead of time so that I can make sure to get them out uh, on a weekly basis. So I appreciate um, all of you listening to the podcast. I appreciate your uh, continued support in terms of downloads. Uh, please rate uh, rate the podcast on iTunes uh, or Stitcher um, if you feel so inclined. Uh, we do have a donate feature through Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash traddads. Um, and lots of big things coming up here in the next month or so for um, our little crew. So be, uh, be on the lookout, and we will be announcing some big stuff here in the next month. So uh, with that, I will say uh, join us next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.